Alright, we are in Jeremiah chapter 38 tonight. And tonight's message, uh, when it comes to preaching, Paul told Timothy, you need to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And tonight, you're going to get and exhort. Alright, this is, so this is, this is, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make anybody feel good, but this is kind of a feel good message and just kind of an encourage, uh, a message too of encouragement. And I really hope this helps because I believe if we could get a hold of some of these truths that we're about to see tonight, it will really, really help us in our Christian walk. It will help us, especially when you find yourself facing difficult times. Uh, when wrong is done, I believe these truths will help you a lot. And the title of tonight's message is, Was It the Right Thing to Do? That's a question we should always ask ourselves whenever we do anything. If we find ourselves ever second-guessing ourselves, just ask, Was it the right thing to do? And I think you'll understand this more as we go through this. But in Jeremiah 38, it says, Then Shephatiah, verse 1, the son of Matan and Gedaliah, the son of Pasher and Jukal, the son of Shelemiah and Pasher, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in this city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live, for he shall have his life for a prey, and shall live. Now this isn't something that was pleasant news, but yet this is the word of the Lord that Jeremiah is sharing with people. It's like, if you stay in the city that's being surrounded right now, you are going to die. But there is a way you can keep from dying. You can go be captives. Neither of those are good solutions. But at least you'll save your life. So this is bad news, but this was truth that he's presenting to these people. And so in verse 3, it says, Thus saith the Lord, This city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. He's basically telling Jerusalem, You're going to lose. That's not good news. But it was true. Therefore, the prince has said unto the king, We beseech thee, let this man be put to death. For thus he weakened at the hands of the men of war to remain in the city, in the hands of all the people, and speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he is in your hand, for the king is not that can do anything against you. Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah the son of Hamalek, that was in the court of the prison, and they let down Jeremiah with cords, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire, so Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Now let me ask you, did Jeremiah do the right thing in this story? Yes, he did. Were the results for Jeremiah good? No, they weren't. Getting thrown into a dungeon and sinking in the mire is a pretty bad place to be. But understand... When Jeremiah was sitting there in the dungeon, sinking in the mire, you know what he was able to say? I did the right thing. And he did do the right thing. And we read, the, we read this story. We see Zedekiah. He was kind of a coward. He just let the people do what they wanted to do because he didn't want to stand up against them. We have Abednelech, who was a good guy. He gets Jeremiah out of the prisons, hiding him. He goes before the king, talks to the king about what's going on. The king's trying to keep things secret because he doesn't want to upset everybody. But, uh, but he's just kind of a coward. But in verse 28... It ends and it says, So Jeremiah abode in the court of the prison, which was better than sinking in the mire, but he abode in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken, and he was there when Jerusalem was taken. So where did Jeremiah, after he, after he proclaimed the truth to Jerusalem, what happened to him? He got thrown in prison and he stayed in prison until exactly what he said was going to come to pass came to pass. That's not fair. That's not right. What happened to Jeremiah was not fair. It was not right. But let me tell you something. Jeremiah did the right thing. But it did not result in good for him at that time. Okay? And so one thing we have got to get a hold of as Christians is we often make the mistake of judging whether we did the right or wrong thing. Whether we made the right or wrong choice based on the outcome. Because isn't that what we're all about, if we're honest? Our agenda is to make good things happen to us, isn't it? Our agenda, often, that's why people obey God. Often, that's why people get in church. Well, maybe if I go try this church thing out, the Lord will start blessing me, and maybe I'll have better luck in the lottery and the casinos or something. No, that's not why we do right. That's not why we obey the Word of God. We ought to be doing it because we love the Lord. Because we see in the Scriptures that a lot of people who did right suffer greatly. I'll bet you won't, I'll bet none of us in here will outdo Job, but look at what Job went through. 
I mean, some of the greatest men in the Bible suffered great things. I doubt any of us will outdo Joseph who did the right thing. And he did the right thing one time after another. Joseph did the right thing, but yet did it result in good for Joseph? I mean, yes, eventually. But not without first being sold by his brethren. Not without first being a slave in Potiphar's house. Not without first doing the right, right thing with Potiphar's wife and then going to prison. I mean, a lot of really bad things happened before Joseph finally got a payoff. And let me tell you, Joseph got a payoff. And Joseph got a payoff on this earth, you could say. And But you know what? Christians don't always even get a payoff in this life. I believe we eventually get one, but we don't. All, we don't. And so... We should never judge whether or not something was right or wrong based on the results. There are many things that we as Christians have been called to do that are not guaranteed to have good results, but it doesn't change the fact we are supposed to do it. And so we're going to look at several things like that tonight that we have been called to do that many times people will think they failed because they didn't have good results. And, that, and you know what? If what you did was the right thing, you did not fail. It does not matter what the results are. The matter is, the, what matters is, what did God want you to do and did you do it? Because there's a lot of reasons people are not going to get good results. And so if, the first thing I want to look at, something that's just the right thing to do, whether you get good results or whether you don't, the results are not what determine right or wrong, and that is preaching the gospel or preaching any truth. Now, go to Ezekiel. This is a, I'm going to read several passages to you in Ezekiel. Uh, I've been I've uh, been covering a lot of these ones and some of my prophecy stuff that I've been doing. But Ezekiel 2.1 says, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and he set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And I, I love that verse. I love it. Yet shall they know there hath been a prophet among them. Let me ask you, who was Ezekiel sent to? He was sent to Israel, wasn't he? God said, I am sending you to Israel. What does that mean? That means God's will for Ezekiel is for Ezekiel to go speak prophecy, to speak truth to Israel. That's God's will. That's Ezekiel's mission. Now, when you speak prophecy, when you speak truth, when you preach to people, what is your goal as a preacher? I mean, you want to see people respond. You want to see results, don't you? But did you know that... Whether we get results or not, that does not determine whether or not we are we did right or we did wrong. When you are preaching the truth, when you are preaching the gospel, you succeeded. You did the right thing. You please God. And understand what we're about to see here. While God sent Ezekiel to Israel, you know what God told Ezekiel? They're not going to listen. But you know what they are going to know? A prophet's been among them. Now, why is that? Because... It's not right to punish people and not even let them know what they did wrong. It's not right to bring judgment on people, but not let them know what they did. Even in our messed up court system today, they have the decency to charge someone with a crime, typically. Unless you're Kent Hovind. You know, before they take you to prison. They will tell you, hey, you know, you're charged with this crime. And then, you know, they're supposed to prove it. Sometimes they do. Maybe sometimes they don't do a good job. But at least most people, when they're sitting in prison, they know what crime they committed when they're sitting in prison. And I think, and I think that's good. I think that's just. So if all this judgment's going to be coming on Israel, it's the right thing to do to let them know what they're doing wrong, to let them know why judgment's coming, to let them know how they can be spared judgment. And God, He knows what the results are going to be. And it doesn't matter. God knows okay, that there's going to be some people that aren't going to get saved. But did you know it's God's will for somebody to give them the gospel? 
doesn't matter if they get saved or don't get saved. You know what? You know what it needs to be said about everyone in the Sterling and Rock Falls area? Well, not everyone in the Sterling Rock Falls area is going to get saved. On Judgment Day, it, let it be said that there was a church of God among this town, that there were soul winners among these people, that their doors were knocked on many times, that a preacher of the gospel did come to these people. Let it be said that about, and whether they get saved or not, that's between them and God. But you know what? As a church, as long as we're doing the right thing, that is what is important. We might not get the results other places get. There are some places that respond better to the gospel than other places. And thank God for those places. Thank God for cities where many have responded positively and they have, they've been able to build big churches. Thank God that those people responded right. But did you know preachers that are in areas that are not very responsive to the gospel, they're doing the right thing, just like the pastor is in the responsive area too. They're doing the right thing. Let it be said in all cities that there was a prophet of God among them, that there were soul winners among those people. Some places are going to have better results. Doesn't mean the church was better. Doesn't mean the preacher was better. Doesn't mean the soul winners were better. What matters is just that they were there because there's going to be some places where they, they were there, but they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They, did, they were there, but they you know, all hid out in their churches waiting for the people to come here to get preached to. But let's keep reading. I'm getting sidetracked here. But notice it says, And now, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee. And thou doest well among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I shall give thee. So God told Ezekiel, hey, I know these people aren't going to listen, but don't you be like them. And you know what? I mean, if we never get another soul saved in this area, and I don't believe that's going to happen, but even if we never did, you know what? It's still the right thing for us to be here. It's the right thing for us to be giving them an opportunity. That is what, that is God's will because one of these days, God is going to judge the Sterling and Rock Falls area. And you know what God wants to be said when that day comes? That there was a church among them. That there was a light among these people. That God had a light shining in this dark area. And if the people did not get saved or they did not respond, it's on them. It's not on God. It's not on us. It's on them. We see in Ezekiel chapter 3. He goes on verse 1. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat. Fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then I did eat it that was in my mouth, this honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Watch this. Surely... Had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. And you know, and why didn't Ezekiel say, well, why didn't you send me there, Lord? Why am I wasting my time with these people? You know why? Because God wanted him there. God wanted him. It was God's will for him to speak the truth to Israel. It says, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted, Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces and thy forehead strong against their foreheads as an adamant harder than flint. Have I made thy forehead fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. So notice how he said, I've, I've made thy face strong. He says as an adamant harder than flint. Now, this is one of these words that the anti KJV people like to use to prove we need to get a new Bible because nobody knows what adamant means. But wait a minute. As an adamant, harder than flint. Anybody guess what adamant now means? It's like a really hard stone. <laughs> that's just really, that's what it is. It's real simple. We just look at context. We can figure it out. But yet, these people will try to use that to go against the King James. Just kind of a side note there. But he told them, you do what you're supposed to do. You set yourselves. You be firm. You be strong. Don't flinch at these people. Don't, don't, be, uh, don't be influenced by their faces like an adamant like, that's harder than flint. 
I've made thy forehead. You go and you tell them how it is. But you're not going to get results. But Ezekiel did what he was supposed to do. Ezekiel 3.27 But when I speak with thee, I will open thy mouth, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, He that heareth, let him hear, and he that forbeareth, let him forbear, for they are a rebellious house. So, again, Ezekiel, one of the major prophets in the Bible, would we all say this is a good guy? Well, of course we would say this is a good guy. I mean, he's got 48 chapters in our Bible right here. But yet Ezekiel, earthly speaking, did not get good results from his preaching. But Ezekiel did exactly what he was supposed to do. Ezekiel was a success in the eyes of God because he fulfilled God's will. He fulfilled God's purpose. He made, he made God look good. He made God look just because while God was going to bring all this judgment on Israel, Israel was not going to be able to say, we didn't know. Israel is not going to be able to say, we had no idea. Had we known, we would have got right. And Israel was not able to say anything against God. You know why? Because God had Ezekiel there to speak his words and to do his truth. And let me tell you something. I want to see results. When I go sowing, I want to see results. I want to see people get saved. I want to see our church grow. I want to see all these things. And I, and I believe God can do that. And I believe God will do that. But even if God doesn't do that, at the end of the day, while it would make me look good, while it would make us look good, if we get a ton of people saved and this church grows up, it blows up and it just becomes huge, while it will make us look good, at the end of the day, we're not about making us look good. We're about making God look good. And God wants it to be said in this town, just as God wants it to be said in every town, that I had a light in that community. God, God doesn't want people to be able to say, no one ever told me the gospel. Had I heard the gospel, I would have received it. God wants witnesses in areas, and God even wants them in areas that are unreceptive. A lot of times we have this attitude like, hey, we just need to abandon certain places and just go to the receptive places. Listen, you, people need to go where God calls them. You know what? I try not to be critical of, you know, there's missionaries. They go to places that I would never want to go. I would feel like I was wasting my time because they're not receptive. There's not even that many people in some places. But you know what? Thank God for those people they do get saved out there. I know, I know missionaries that, that are going to remote places in Alaska where it is very difficult to get to certain people. I cannot imagine doing a ministry like that. I don't want to do it, and I don't believe God's called me to do it. But you know what? While sometimes you look at that and you read the prayer letters and you're just like, man, is it really worth it going to a place like that? You know what? God wants it to be said in Alaska that there was a prophet among those people. That there was a light that shined in those places. I'll bet the people that they do get saved are glad that they cared about those few people in those remote areas. We, the, the, the fact is, you know what? Let's just be for anybody that's trying to spread the gospel anywhere. We don't necessarily have to do what they're doing ourselves. But you know what? If somebody's being a light somewhere that we don't want to be, let's thank God that they're there, not us. That's the way I feel about it. I just, I, I don't want to be critical of people like that, because God wants it to be said. A prophet was there. We see in Ezekiel 33, in verse 1, it says, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood should be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman upon the house of Israel Therefore, thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, 
If he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Let's jump down to the last verse, verse 33. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. So here's what we're seeing in Ezekiel. God is determined to bring judgment upon Israel. But God also knows that Israel is not going to get right. They are not going to repent. But God is saying, you know what? I am going to do the right thing anyway. Even though I know these people are going to do the wrong thing, I'm going to do the right thing. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm giving them a warning anyway. I'm going to send a prophet among them anyway. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that there's places that are not going to be receptive to the gospel. We should still go. We should still tell these people. Why? Because it's the, it's the right thing to do, whether we get results or whether we not get results. God wants it to be said that a prophet has been among them, a soul winner has been among them. And we have, we've gone to towns before. There was the Mount Morris, I think it was. Mount Morris where we spent several weeks and didn't get one person saved. We didn't get one person saved in that town. But you know what? Let it be said, the soul winner was among them. Their doors were not. Gospel tracts were left. An opportunity was given. We went, we, you know, we went to Albany yesterday. First time we've ever knocked, we've ever knocked Albany. There was one person saved. Thank the Lord for that. There was a lot of people that were really religious, didn't even give us a chance. And you know what? Wasn't a real receptive town. Not real anxious to go back to that town. But let it be said, soul owners were among the people in that town. And let it be said about all the towns around here. There are some places, you know, we talked about, we were talking, I was talking about Chris about Erie. We knocked Erie one time and I think we might have got a couple of people saved there, but it was just one of these kind of, you know, more middle class, very religious towns, and it just wasn't very receptive, and I'm just not real anxious to go back there. But you know what? I'm glad I can say we went there. We knocked the doors in that town, and one of these days when judgment comes, when those people that live there are going to stand before God, and I don't want them to be able to say, no one ever knocked on my door. I don't want anybody saying that that lives anywhere near Liberty Baptist Church that no one ever knocked on my door. Say, well, I don't understand. Why, why do we need to knock the doors in all these neighborhoods? Some of these places aren't receptive. We're not going to get anybody saved there. It doesn't matter. It's not our job to get results. It's our job to do what we've been called to do, and that's take the gospel to every Christian. And when it comes to doing right, we're supposed to do it, even when we know it probably won't have good results. And that is why we go soul winning, too, in unreceptive neighborhoods. I didn't think today's neighborhood is going to be receptive. Sometimes they are when you're not expecting it to. But you know what we do? We knock the unreceptive areas. We go to those places. And it does. Sometimes it's like, uh, you, know, just, you just kind of force yourself. And you, go, you, know, you feel like you're going through the motions. But listen, don't let that discourage you. Just understand, this isn't about making our church look good. It's not about us getting numbers on our board that we can brag about and talk about. This is about making God look good. God wants it to be said that there was a light among these people. There were soul winners that came to their doors. And, e and even though, even if some, and we don't know nobody's going to get saved when we go to some of these places. We don't know that. Okay? We never really know for sure about anything. But even if you're like, I know we're not going to get anybody saved out there. I know we're not going to accomplish anything in that town. You know, when we went to Muslim town, I, I was even pretty sure we probably weren't going to get any Muslims saved that day. But at the same time, it doesn't, doesn't change the fact it's the right thing to do. And you know, we did, we, we succeeded that day. We succeed, any day that you go out and you're trying to give the gospel to somebody, you are succeeding. You are doing right. You, we, we have gotten victory in the eyes of God because we've made God look good. We've, we've made, we've, we've exalted His righteousness. We've told people about Jesus Christ. And so, you know, as, as when it comes to preaching the gospel, when it comes to preaching any truth, as a pastor, I need to preach the truth even if it causes us to lose members. Sometimes preaching the truth hurts the church, numerically speaking, financially speaking. But what matters is, was it the right thing to do? Pastor, that sermon you preach is split the church. Yeah, but was it biblical? Was it the right thing to do? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. And you know, people who start churches in difficult areas that never thrive, do you know they didn't necessarily make the wrong choice? God might have wanted somebody to go to that area. As, again, maybe just to heap up judgment on that area. 
God wants it to be said. A soul winner was there. We've got this attitude a lot of times too. You know, we'll just kind of reprobate a city. We'll reprobate a state. We'll reprobate a country or something like that. But let me tell you something. If you really are anxious to reprobate somebody, you know what? Give them another chance to reject the gospel. And that, that, that'll speed up the process. So don't have an attitude. I don't want to go talk to the city. I don't want to go preach to Chicago. You know, I think that city's reprobate. Well, hey, if you hate it that much, go preach to them one more time and just pile up wrath on them. Because that's just one, that's just one more thing that just justifies it even more to God. You know what? I sent another soul one or two. We sent, we had another soul winning marathon in that neighborhood and they still rejected it. You know what? It's time to let the judgment come and I'm going to even let a worse than Lori Lightfoot become the mayor of that city. Who knows? You know, we, we don't know. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Results don't matter. What matters is what are you supposed to do? What's the right thing for you to do? It's always the right thing to preach the gospel. And so there are, there are churches in areas that never responded well to the gospel. It does not mean that pastor failed. You know, it does not mean that he was not right with God. God wanted it to be said there was a man of God in that community. There were soul winners in that community. God wanted that to be said. And sometimes there are, there are places that respond very well. And God does great works there. That is that area being blessed by responding well to the gospel. It's not just because that man was great. You can have an equally godly man somewhere else that does not respond positively to the gospel. That church never grows. That town is never blessed. And that town might end up having judgment come on it. But at the end of the day, both men of God did what God wanted. Both men of God were successful in the eyes of God because they did what he wanted them to do. We see in Matthew 12, 41. So understand, the success of a church in an area does not determine how great that man of God was in that area. And I'm going to prove that to you from the scriptures too. We often will see that where great works are done somewhere and we think, wow, that must have been a great man. Or that community did the right thing. Because we go, because there's other areas you can go, and I've seen this before, where great preachers who preach great stuff in small churches, in, in, in remote areas, where there's some of these other preachers in huge churches that I feel like they can't preach their way out of a wet paper bag. What's going on? This area just responded well. This other area did not respond well. It's not just about the man in that area because in Matthew twelve forty one, after Jesus did some preaching in cities and it didn't go very well, it, said, it goes on to say, the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Think about it. Nineveh responded to the preaching of Jonah but these cities that where Jesus was speaking, who's greater, Jonah or Jesus? I mean, Jesus for sure. Jonas, he hated the people he was preaching to. Jesus loved the people he was preaching to. So it's not about the method. I mean, what did Jonas do? He went just walking through the city, yay, 40 days and Nineveh should be overthrown. Had a bad attitude, hated the people, didn't do any miracles. Jesus comes along, he's doing miracles, he's loving the people, he's Jesus. And you know what? No response. So you know what Jesus did? He cursed these cities. Because a greater than Jonas was here and you didn't respond. Whose fault was it that a great work wasn't done in those cities? It was the people's fault. Jesus was there. He goes on and says, The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the othermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Think about that. So there, there are so many great men and great churches that are in places that see few people saved. The results don't determine the greatness of the preachers or the soul winners. Thank God for soul winners that are in areas that see very few people saved. Thank God for soul winners that are in some of these European countries that faithfully go out and don't see a lot of people saved. You know what? I want it to be said about any country in Europe, even the ones I really don't like that are hostile to the gospel. You know, let it be said there were some soul winners among those people. 
You know, thank God, thank God that they are there because when judgment comes for these people, we don't want any, we don't want them having excuses and saying no one ever told me. You know what? If I'm, if we're going to see a town destroyed, if we're going to see a nation go down, you know what? I want it to be a nation that was persecuting soul winners, that was picking on the soul winners, that was hostile toward them or ignoring them. Not one that would have been hungry for them, that was anxious for them, but they just weren't there. I don't want that to be said about, about any place, especially any place around here. And so town like Rock Falls, I believe this town will be in much greater trouble in the day of judgment than other towns. Because think about how many times these people, they get their doors knocked all the time. And you know what? When our, neighbor, when our neighbors stand before God on judgment day, I don't know how judgment day is going to play out exactly. I don't know what all is going to go on the great, great, great white throne of judgment. But I would hate it. I would hate to see anyone stand before God at the great white throne of judgment that was anywhere near this church. And they're like, no one ever told me. You know what? I want it, that, it to be said to them. Liberty Baptist Church, over the years they were there, they knocked on your door 17 times and you slammed the door in their face 14, cussed them out three of the times. I, I want them to say that. And then at least we can stand there, our hands clean. But I, I, I want that to be said about us. And God wants that to be said in every place. That there was a soul owner. There was a prophet. There was a man of God among those people. And thank God for communities, for cities who have responded well to the preaching of the gospel. They will be blessed for taking advantage in a good way of what God has given them. That is, that, that's a wonderful thing. We ought to rejoice when we see any church out there, any city, any nation that responds positively to the gospel, to the things of God. What a blessing that is when that kind of thing happens. But let me tell you something, it's not going to happen everywhere. But God wants the same thing being preached everywhere. We get way too focused on results. And that's why a lot of people get discouraged. That's why a lot of people are quitting. There are so many pastors out there that are quitting. I mean, I con I'm constantly hearing about places, hearing about churches that are looking for pastors. And you know, one of the biggest reasons they're getting discouraged, they're not getting good results. They're not getting good results. And you know, and you, you always have Pastor Big Shot out there that got lucky, succeeded somewhere. You know, and then they're, and so now they've got all the secrets. And, you know, and it's their, and it's everybody's fault for not succeeding in the area because they're not enough like them. And people listen to them and think they're so great. No, listen, it, it's not about the results. Hey, fine, you didn't see great results yet, but were you preaching the truth? You weren't sugarcoating the gospel, were you? Were, were you actually spreading the gospel? Were you out actually knocking doors? Let me tell you something. If this church, if this church fails, if this church goes down, I want it to go down with me preaching the truth. I want it to go down with us knocking doors every chance that we get. I want it going down that way because if this church does go ever go down with us doing all those things, you know what? God's able to take the faithful few that are left and do, still do something great with us and use us somewhere else. But if it goes down, I don't want to go down with it. I don't, I, don't want the, I don't want this church to go down because we were being lazy. I don't want this church going down because I was compromising. And because we weren't doing the things we were supposed to do, we've got to stay faithful. And so the other thing we've got to make sure we do too is just we should always be truthful and honest whether we get good results or we, not, we don't. And 2 Corinthians 8.19 says, And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord in declaration of your ready mind, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. And we have sent them with our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. And I'm not going to go into all the background of this, but Paul you know, he was in charge of taking up a collection for the poor saints. And they did. They, they made sure that they had certain things in place to show their accountability, to show what they were doing was honest because they wanted to provide for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. They wanted, they understood the importance of honesty. We should be, we should do everything we could, not just to be honest, but to not even appear dishonest. 
Many of the things that we do in our church, especially with the finances, many of the checks and balances we have, they're probably more than we actually need, but we do these things because we don't even want to have the appearance of dishonesty. We don't want, we don't want that. That's why we don't, you guys shouldn't just give blind trust to me. We don't want to just give blind trust to people in the church because we don't even want to appear dishonest because that could hurt our testimony in a great way. And so we've always got to just be doing the right thing. Hey, is this honest? Is this truthful? Is this uh, of integrity? Is this according to the word of God? We need to stay focused on pleasing God and counting on him to make things right. But it says in Romans twelve seventeen, recompense to no man evil for evil, providing things honest in the sight of all men. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So we've got to make sure whatever we're doing, we're doing it honestly, we're doing it truthful, whatever it is that we do, hey, did you do the right thing? Was what you did according to the Scriptures? Was it biblical? It doesn't matter what the results are. We understand we are going to receive a reward of our inheritance from the Lord. He's going to make things right. So that means, too, even in your job, did you know sometimes you doing the right thing and being honest, it could cause you to get hurt? Sometimes it might cause, it might cause problems for you. Sometimes, depending on what line of work you're in, too, maybe if you're in sales or something like that, sometimes the dishonest guy, he might do better than you in sales. But you know what you have to do? You have to do the right thing. Oh, what if I don't make my quota? What if I don't... Listen, you've got to count on the Lord for blessing. You've got to count on the Lord for blessing. Oh, you know, my jobs want me to do this, and this isn't honest, this isn't right. And if I don't do this, I'm going to lose my job. Hey, what's the right thing to do? Is it ever right to cheat people? Is it ever right to rip people off? It's never right to do those things. Yeah, but you know, th- this could cost me. I, I, listen, the results don't determine what the right thing to do is. What's, you need to do what's right no matter what it costs. And sometimes it will cost you being honest, having integrity, doing the right thing will cost you, but you do it anyway. We should also always, we should always be loving and caring and ready to help people or treat others the way we want to be treated, whether we get good results or not. Matthew seven twelve says, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And let me tell you something. You are not always going to be treated the way you treat others. But you know what you should do? You should treat others right. Jesus is proof that you will not always be treated the way you treat others. Did Jesus get treated the way he treated other people? I mean, Jesus never harmed anyone in any way. And yet, look at how he died. But you know what? He did the right thing. Luke twenty three thirty four then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. While he is literally doing the greatest act of love and kindness in human history, that, or the greatest act of love and kindness that ever will be done. What does he do? What do we have? We have him being done wrong. We have him being mocked. We have him being spit on. We've got soldiers gambling for his garments before he's even dead. I mean, this is, this is horrible. But you know what? He did it anyway because it was the right thing to do. It was what the Father wanted him to do. Luke 17, 12, and he entered into a certain village and there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And let me tell you, Jesus did a wonderful thing for all ten of these men, but how many actually appreciated what he did? One. So was, did, do you think Jesus regretted cleansing the other nine after that? No, he did the right thing. Only one actually thanked him for and we all we should always do the right thing even though it's likely we will be stabbed it's it's likely sometimes you will be stabbed in the back there have been many times where we have done 
kind things for people. I'm pretty sure we're not going to get any payback for this. I'm pretty sure this is going to end bad, but sometimes you just got to do the right thing. And sometimes it does. I, I remember I was thinking about this this week when I, or, uh, when I was studying for this message. I remember this is my brother-in-law. This is when he was in our youth group before he was my brother-in-law. I remember uh, we were having something at my parents' house as a picnic or something. He had run to Walmart and on his, on his way back, he realized he was like, look at the money the cashier gave him. And they, and she had given him an extra 20 and he was looking and he realized, man, they gave me an extra 20 that I wasn't supposed to get. And he realized that when they arrived back and they got back to the house and he was telling me about it and you, you know, and it was one of these things that on one hand, he's kind of excited. He got an extra 20, but he's like, I probably should take it back. And I just told him, I was like, man, I said, you know, yeah, I think you ought to take it back. I said, they're going to check your cash register at the end of the night. She's $20 short. She's going to get in trouble. You should probably go take that back. And he's like, yeah. So he went and he did the right thing. You know what he did? He took it back. And, and it, was, it was so funny. So he takes it back. He comes back to the house. He's like, give it back here. And he's like, yes, and I shouldn't have done it. And I'm like, I'm like, why is that? He's like, well, first off, I, I went up to her and I said, hey, uh, earlier when you gave me change, you gave me the wrong amount you gave me an extra 20 and he's like i handed it to her and she just took it and she's like oh and he's like i just i just kind of stood there you know thinking she's going to thank me or something and while i'm just kind of standing there looking stupid she just looked at me and she's just like you can go now <laughs> and so he was just furious there you go and i just remember telling him you know we, I, I laughed about it though it was funny. i was like you know what at least you did the right thing He's like, I should have just kept the 20 and let her get in trouble for it. Like, no, you did the right thing. And I understand feeling that way. Often, when you do right by somebody, and then they turn around and do something terrible like that, you do. It's like, I shouldn't have done that. No, you should, you should have done it. You should have done the right thing. Because he didn't know she was going to act like that. And then he would have had the guilt on that. And either way, God would have known. It was the right thing to do. That kind of thing happens all the time. And we've got to do the right thing anyway. People always think there's going to be this magical moment where they do the right thing and finally tell the truth or apologize or whatever. But understand, often when you do the right thing, people respond in the worst way possible. But it doesn't matter. You do the right thing. Was it the right thing to do? When you do the right thing and get hurt, people often make the mistake of trying to protect themselves from ever getting hurt that way again. There's no next time cashier messes up my change. I'm not saying anything. No. Yeah, she made you feel stupid. She made you look stupid. She was bad. But you did the right thing. You got you got to keep doing the right thing. A lot of people they don't want to. They never want to do anything kind anymore because they got burned. Hey, did you do the right thing? Because let me tell you something. When you do the right thing and that other person does the wrong thing, they're just heaping up judgment on themselves. And if God sees you still doing the right thing, even though you're not getting good results, we would all do the right thing if every time we were honest, you know, we got a check for $1,000 in the mail the next day. But that's not how it's always going to be. God wants to, God, sometimes he's going to let, he's going to test us in that way. And many people make this mistake in ministry. They make it in relationships where they're scared of being hurt. They're so afraid of being hurt. They end up missing a lot of the joys of doing the right thing and actually being appreciated. Sometimes you're going to go through nine people and do the right thing for nine people before the tenth one actually appreciates what you did for them. But you got to do it. Anyway, I mean, was it, you know, what is the right way to protect yourself too? Because I don't like getting hurt. And I don't like getting hurt either. Let me tell you what I have learned in my life, and I'm not I'm not just trying to blow smoke or anything here, but this has just been my this has been my philosophy for a long time. When it comes to ministry, again, it, it is amazing how often we become the villain. It really is. When when you devote your life to serving the Lord, I mean, pastors, we make sacrifices, we make financial sacrifices, we make personal sacrifices. I mean, we, we you just go out of the way. You know, we all want to be super, you know, every pastor wants to be super Christian. And so sometimes, you know, we put ourselves through all kinds of things, just praying the Lord's noticing and is going to, you know, be pleased with what we're doing. And yet we still come out the villain all the time. It's just, you know, it's like if I preach this truth, you know, the Lord's 
No, you become the villain. You always become, I don't know how it happens, but you always become the villain. And it, it can wear on you. But here's what I've just learned. The way you protect yourself is you have to be bulletproof. You have to be bulletproof. Say, I can't do that. Actually, you can. Ephesians 6.16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Faith will enable you to handle hurt. I have had, I, I, I've had people before, I had somebody one time chew me out because I was friends with somebody and they were warning me. I just want to warn you, they're going to stab you in the back. Right? Now, while I've been stabbed in the back by that person and still not by this other person, you know what I just told them? You know what? If they stab me in the back, I'll deal with it. If they stab me in the back, I'll walk it off. And I, folks, I don't like getting stabbed in the back, but did you know, for somebody to, you know, figuratively, obviously you really get stabbed in the back. I don't know if you can walk that off. But if you, if you figuratively get stabbed in the back, here's what you do. You take the shield of faith. You know what you do? You go to the workout and say, hey, did I do what would please God? Not did I do what got me good results. Did I do what pleased God? And one thing that I, I've just determined I'm going to do in my life, I will allow myself to be vulnerable. If I put up too many barriers, if I put too many safeguards, I'm not going to be able to have relationships. I'm not going to be able to minister to people. So I am willing to just expose myself to potential enemies. You've got a lot of churches out there. They're so worried about the Judases that could potentially come in. They're grilling up. We, we can't let a Judas come in. We can't let an infiltrator come in. If they do, if we let the wrong person come in, they could potentially hurt us. And you know what? They could. But if we have faith, if we keep doing the right thing, guess what? We can, we'll be fine. We can get over it. We can be bulletproof. If we take that shield of faith, we've got to learn to just walk some things. We've got to learn to walk some things off. And we do that by taking the shield of faith. You know, and here's how you walk things off too. When something happens, when you get hurt, when you get nailed, when somebody says something to you, literally, you literally walk it off. You know what that means? Just let some time pass. Let some time pass. It's, it's like when you get hurt, okay? Have you ever been there before where you just got hurt and you're just in pain and, and you, just, you just need some time? Especially when you hit your head. Okay, that's the worst too when you hit your head. And it's just like, it hurts. You know, I, I did it the other day. I smoked myself in the, in the head with a branch and I just, I had to just take some time to just, uh, and, and you just do nothing. Anybody, been, you've all been there before where you got hurt. And isn't it the worst thing when you get hurt and somebody's standing there, are you okay? Are you okay? It's like, shut up! <laughs> isn't that not the worst thing? I remember when I was younger, we were cleaning out our bus at the church. And this one guy, he was, he was outside the back of the bus, and somebody had opened the door, and he was standing out there doing something, and they opened that back door, and he didn't realize it, and he stood up and he smoked the back of his head on the bottom of that bus door. It looked so painful. And he just... In, and it was just one of those things, and everybody was just quiet. It was like, you need to be quiet. And he's just... He's not passing out. He walks around to the front of the bus... He comes inside and he's there and he just goes and he just sits down. And he, doesn't, he hadn't said a word. Everybody's being quiet. And then his brother just said to him, Are you okay? And he just said, No. And he just started bawling right there. <laughs> he was fine until he had to speak. And sometimes when you, get, when you get creamed, when you get hurt, the worst thing you do is to speak. The worst thing you do is react. Sometimes you just got to walk it off. It'll go away. And that's what I tell myself. It's like, you know, when, when you do, when you hurt yourself, you stub your thumb, you, know, you stub your toe, you smash your thumb or something like that. It's just like you're in pain. You're wanting to scream, just hold on, just hold on, hold on. It's going to go away. It's like that brain freeze. When you're, you know, when you're drinking a slushy or something, you get that brain freeze. It hurts so bad. But, you know, just wait it out. Just wait it out. It's going to go away. It, it, it's like a pain that's intense, but it's one, two, that it goes away and it leaves no scars. And you're fine like nothing happened. It doesn't do any permanent damage. And I'm telling you, if we have faith, you're going to get hurt. But if, if, if you don't dwell on it, if you don't focus on it, if you have some faith, you can walk it off. You could walk it off and you know what you do? You go do the right thing again. You go help the next person. It, does, it stinks. When, when, you, when, you're out, when you're out soul winning and you get chewed out and you get cussed out, when you do that, it doesn't feel good. It's not fun. You just sometimes, it's discouraging. You just want to go home for the day. 
But you know what you have to do? Walk it off. Just go to the next, just go knock the next door. Just, just keep going. You know, yeah, you're embarrassed right now. I know, you're embarrassed. You're mad. You want to go back and punch them? Just, no, keep going. Just keep doing the right thing. You're going to, you're going to be fine. So, we should always make sure, don't let, don't let bad results stop you from doing good again. We are going to regularly, as a church, we are going to be kind to people and it's going to turn around and it's going to bite us. You know what we're going to do? We're going to walk it off. And then we're going to go and do the right thing for the next person. And if we get hurt again, we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep doing the right thing. What, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. That's it's because it's the right thing to do. We should also, I'm not going to spend any time on this, but we, we need to fulfill our obligations even when it affects us negatively. Psalms 15 says, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Sometimes we need to do things that, again, we need to fulfill our obligations even if it hurts us. Well, I know I said I would do this, but this is going to benefit me negatively if I do it. You know what? Do it anyway. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. I'll miss this opportunity. doesn't matter. It's the right thing to do. I'm going to get bad results. It's the, is it the right thing to do? That's what we have to focus on. And many people, they're afraid to commit to anything because they fear that happening to them. They don't want to make themselves obligated to something because then they've got to follow through with it. Listen, we should never let fear of that stop us from committing to doing things that are good and right. We should always just do that which is good and right. And, under, and then understand, not every choice we make in life is a matter of a right and wrong choice. We often have that attitude with everything. Like, there's always two options, one's right and one's wrong. Did you know sometimes there are multiple right choices that we can make? There are. There's multiple right choices we can make. And you know, those multiple right choices have multiple outcomes. Some will have better outcomes. Some will have lesser outcomes. At the end of the day, you know, some outcomes, while some outcomes might be good and some might even be bad, we can't control outcomes. And outcomes don't determine what was right or wrong. If, and if we will choose the, what's good, if we will always choose that which is right, we can be at peace and we can just let God make everything right in His time. And that should always be our attitude. Do not get focused on results. Always stay focused. Is this the right thing to do? And if you know what? We'll let the Lord sort everything out in His time. God will see you doing the right thing God will do whatever needs to be done in His time, not according to our time. And so I just say all this to encourage everyone, no matter what kind of results we get as a church, no matter what kind of results you get as an individual, just keep doing the right thing. Always keep doing the right thing. And with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for these uh, encouraging verses. I pray this message was a help and encouragement to everyone. I pray You'll help each one here to continue being faithful uh, to the church, faithful in their soul winning, faithful in doing good and being obedient to the Scriptures and helping others. Help us not get discouraged because we don't get the results that we want to sometimes. Uh, but help us to uh, just have the faith to keep doing the right thing until Your return. In Your name we pray. Amen.